Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Side of Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Anna McGinnis. We have a lot to talk about on this show. We have a series in Milwaukee that was full of ups and downs. We finally had the home opener that was most good, aside from one thing which we'll get to. We have some Wrigley Field talk. We have uh, some fun talk coming up about the Angels series and a whole lot more. So stick with us. We got a lot of good stuff to talk about today. And just uh, bear with me. I do have a little bit of a cold. So if you hear some uh, coughing or sneezing, I do apologize. It is the season for that. Adam, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Oh, you know, like I said, battling a cold. But other than You've that, been better. Yeah. That, that's, yeah. that was a stupid question. Yeah. But I've been worse. Yeah, well, that's silver lining, I suppose, looking on the bright side. Yeah, exactly. So, Adam, let's just get right into it. Uh, we are recording this on Wednesday night, and we are recording this about a half hour before Game 2 of the Pirates series. They should get that in. I'm not fully sure, though. The weather here is not very good, so basically everything we're talking about on this show is up to the home opener, which was on Monday, which... Of course, it was 70 degrees and perfectly sunny that day. And then just a day or so later, it is now back to like in the 40s and rainy like it should be at this time of year. But the home opener was probably the nicest Cubs home opener like ever in terms of weather. Uh, Adam, I don't know if you got a chance to watch any of that game or see any of the highlights. But, you know, up here in Chicago, you could have asked for a better day. No, yeah, I, I wasn't there, but it, it, it looked nice enough on TV. And really, I'm just uh, happy that they finally got a win and that the bullpen went clean the whole way through. And they had to pitch a lot. And that was the one bad news of the mm-hmm. game. Yeah. John Lester got hurt. It looked like it was when he was sliding into home. He drove in the first run with an RBI double. Who by John Lester, man. He he's a baseball player. Yeah, he's not he, just a pitcher anymore. He's a baseball player. That dude, I I love the fact that he has taken hitting seriously, and he's not just up there waiting to get it over with. Uh, he's actually taken some pride in his at-bats, and it shows because he, he's not a bad hitter at all for a pitcher. And he's hitting the ball hard, too. It's mm-hmm. not like he's hitting yeah. some bloops. That RBI double was a rock in the left center field gap, and Marte made a nice play to backhand it on the track because if he doesn't backhand that, that scores two runs. Yeah, he's Lester is no longer a free out for opposing pitchers, and man, he's come a long way since. You remember when he first came up with the Cubs when he when he signed? He went what? What did he go like? Oh, for sixty something to start. It was something like that. Yeah. I actually saw his first career hit at Wrigley, and it was off John Lackey when he was on the Cardinals. In yeah, and and you know when and when he was when he had that O for going, we were all pretty much fine with it because you know he he's one of the biggest free agents they've ever signed in their history, and they signed him to be a pitcher, so we we didn't really care. But it's pretty awesome to see that he he actually cares about hitting now too. When he came to the Cubs. There were two narratives with him. He couldn't hit, and he couldn't throw to first. But since he's come to the Cubs, he has successfully picked off guys, and he's not an automatic out anymore. And he's got two home runs on his resume now. He's been on base, what, four times this year? Because in Atlanta, 
he got on a couple times and also had an mm-hmm. RBI single. And his swing just looks nice and smooth. Yeah. Do you remember he's... last year when he got the hit off Noah Syndergaard? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he he he's he's hitting the ball really well this year. He's it's super small sample size, obviously, but the dude's hitting six sixty seven. Yeah. Now the bad news is that when he left, it came out yeah. and said that it was something wrong with his hamstring. And that right there says, well, that could be serious. Mm-hmm. He will miss a start or two. He is on the IL. You just worry about hamstring injuries, especially with pitchers and especially with a guy who's older. You don't want to see that happen. Hamstrings can be tricky. And what sucks is that he he gets hurt when he was really looking like the John Lester of old the past two starts because he was missing bats. I think he struck out seven in Atlanta. And then on opening day at Wrigley, he struck out multiple batters. He was striking out guys left and right. And his velocity was up. He was hitting like 93, 94. So you're like, wow, you know, this isn't the John Lester that was just getting a bunch of fly ball outs and pitching to his defense. This is the John Lester that was striking guys out with this stuff. And we said earlier on this show a few episodes ago that that's not what we really expect from him. But he was starting to do it again. And unfortunately, he gets hurt. Yeah. And. I this is this is weird because I am slightly encouraged and discouraged at the same time because for one when they when they pulled him it seemed like he didn't actually want to come out no um but I I am a little concerned that we haven't heard anything yet as of now like, like a solid timetable for how long he's going to be out and what the severity is um, if it's if it's only going to be two starts, then we've dodged a major bullet. But if it has to be more than that, then I I think that's the way it's got to be. I think at this point, Lester's too important to the team to rush him back before he's a hundred percent again. Yeah, I mean John Lester, if he had his legs chopped off, he would yell at Joe Madden and say, "Don't take me out." Let's face it. Well, but... <laughs> that's that's the thing is that you you can't you can't put too much stock into him not wanting to come out because yeah, John's a tough guy and it, it, he, you're right. He could have broken his leg and he would have wanted to stay in. So he would have said it's a flesh wound. Tis a flesh wound. Yeah. And you could tell when he was pitching in that inning, something was off. I mean, Joe Madden came out right away with the trainer. He didn't mess around. He didn't watch him throw a couple batters. I mean, if As he it was throws be. and he was out. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's too important to this team right now. The the rotation is when we, you know, we kind of figured that it, it has the potential to be really good, but it also, you know, has the potential to be skating on thin ice all year long. Yeah, so we're just gonna have to hope he gets better. And Tyler Chatwood is gonna be taking his start against the Ooh. Angels. Yeah, here we go again, huh? But you know what? Maybe not, though. Maybe not. I know I'm going to be totally wrong on this, and everyone's going to at me at Old Takes Exposed, but I would love to. I would go out there and just dominate. You know what? I would love to get roasted by Old Takes Exposed. Yeah, it's always been kind of a Twitter dream of mine. People have added them for an Old Take I had, but they never retweeted me. Maybe one day. Well, I think the thing is you and I are just not 
<laughs> nobody knows or cares about us we're not like high profile people right so it's, yeah exactly it's got to be some big blue check person to, that needs to get roasted otherwise it's just who cares it's or it has got to be a Stephen tweet a. actually Smith. blows up well you could tag Stephen a smith in that almost every single day he's Him like he's and... one of one of the kings of of <laughs> cold takes of course him and uh he's a he's just a, like a caricature well, that's the thing. He does a shtick. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how much of that is actually him and how much of that is just putting on a show. I think it's part of a part of a bit. Probably. He's, he's over-exaggerating some of his opinions. You imagine if he... That's, that's if what he, he is. You imagine if, if he goes home to his wife and he, he's that same person. He's exactly like that. He sits down at the table. Just the yelling, like a stink! What?! We're having fish again. This is outrageous. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm just gonna stop it right there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're we're not quite at that level yet, but uh, hey, he once was at our level. He's now the highest paid ESPN television personality. I heard he was once working at like some unknown low frequency radio stations for free. Hmm. Yeah, and that's it's a show what hard work can do. Yeah. Yeah, you put in the time. But anyway, back to Tyler Chatwood. If he just dominates, wouldn't that be something? But I, I I don't know what to expect. I don't even care if he does like that great as long as he's not awful. Yeah, he doesn't need to be awesome. The really the mentality for the for the rest of the team, even if they, they they wouldn't say it, is to just survive those starts, you know? Pitch like a fifth starter. Right. The Cubs the Cubs are a team, as they've already showed us, despite the, the record, the rough start, they're a team that can score a ton of runs any given day. And who knows? Maybe it won't be the case, but, it, I mean, if history repeats itself, we get the impression that on Chatwood days, they're going to have to score a lot of runs. Absolutely. And you mentioned the Cubs offense, and I wanted to talk about the Cubs offense. That offense is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And it is so frustrating that this team right now, before this game against the Pirates, is three and seven. When they could easily have that record reversed and be well, seven and three. That's that's the thing. You know, it would be one thing if they were three and seven and nobody was hitting the ball. Uh, but but it, that's not the case. They're they're three and seven right now because the pitching has just failed them miserably. Uh, starters a little bit and the bullpen mostly. Uh, but you look at those numbers and it's it's just not sustainable. Pitching this bad is not sustainable. You know even if you think it confirms our worst fears of what this bullpen was going to be, they can't be that bad all the way through. So they're they are due for a rebound, a nice rebound. Uh, we already saw it start in Pittsburgh. Maybe we got there. There are some guys in the bullpen that don't look too bad right now. I like what Brad Brock is doing, mm -hmm. getting even, some ground balls. Even Kinsler has had great moments. Yeah. yeah, I think he had one bad outing, and the other outings he's had have been really efficient. He's getting those ground balls again. He's getting a few more swings and misses than he was last year, which isn't mm -hmm. saying much, but still. Uh, I mean, if you can take those two doing their job. Pedro Strope doing his job. And Kyle Ryan, I gotta say, so far, it's not a big sample size, 
But I like what Kyle Ryan has done so far. I like the stuff mainly because he throws strikes. That's, I mean, and I said that. I said that two or three weeks ago that the Cubs have some guys in their system that could be viable options. They aren't. They didn't necessarily have to pick all the best guys out of free agency to build a halfway decent bullpen. I, there's some promise in some of these new guys. Um, and and like we said, the, the lineup is looking great so far, uh, especially Wilson Contreras has been the best, mm-hmm. the most pleasant among them for me because I, I, I think myself and everyone else included, we were all hoping for a big comeback year for Willie, and it looks like some of that power is starting to come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you got Kyle Schwarber, who's hitting against lefties, too. Mm-hmm. And you're probably going to see him be less of a platoon player and more of an everyday player, which is what everyone wants. And well, look, I, I think he's Schwarber, earning it. Yeah. If Kyle Schwarber is able to hit lefties, then it makes you more confident about this being his breakout year. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. He proves he can keep hitting against lefties. He's going to keep playing more and more. And he's yeah, he's not going to be a platoon guy. He's uh, and and like we saw last year too. He he's not a bad fielder. Uh, I don't know how much I trust the metrics exactly because some of them I I think were a little bit off. I don't think he's anywhere close to being an elite defender by any means. A lot of that was but he's, from his outfield assists, let's right. face it. He's certainly not bad either. I think he, no. he I think he's very good outfielder. He, he's he's very play I'll say playable. Um but I, I think he still gets a bad rap on occasion just maybe because of his size he gets pegged as, you know, being slow. Typical well, you DH saw that catch he made in Atlanta. Did you see that? Yeah, he's he's a he's a fine outfielder. He really is. He's come a long ways. What's frustrating though is that you know the second he misplays a ball out there, everyone's mm-hmm. gonna come out and say, and, "Oh, and, he's oh, the DH." So. Yada yada. You know. Yeah, people are gonna do what people are gonna do though. You know, they're stupid. <laughs> we hate people, but that's yeah, okay. We suck. We hate ourselves too. Don't worry. Um, oh, no we, were talking about, <laughs> we were talking about runs, right? Mm-hmm. We were talking about how good this offense is. I pulled up fan graphs, and these are all the teams and their batting stats. They're third in runs with 72. Their WRC plus is 123. That's among the tops. Their F war, fan graphs war, 2.7. Their K rate is 20.8, which is not the lowest, but nowhere near the highest. Their base on ball rate is 11.7. The Braves are higher. The Phillies are higher. The Dodgers are higher, but they're still among the tops. And in home runs, it's interesting because you think of this team being really efficient with the long ball. They're seventh. In home runs. So they are top 10, but they are not top five. But the season is young. The season yes, is, is. is very young. And I think nobody nobody believes that the Cubs aren't capable of finishing as a top five power hitting team. I mean, Especially God. Especially Davis. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say it. Are we noticing the effects of that already? Or is it maybe just a coincidence that these guys are 
hitting with power to start the season. I don't know. Uh, I mean, even Jason Hayward, my God, that in game one of that Brewers series, reached base five times and hit two homers. Like That's yeah. not the Jason Hayward we're used to. And he hit three home runs that series. So three home runs in two days. What I loved about that is that just the, a day or two before, everybody was like, oh, my God, Hayward, he's going to set the record for hitting into the most double plays in the season. And then he has a game like that and shuts people up. That made me pretty happy. You know what's really funny? I feel like when Cubs Twitter gets really frustrated with Jason Hayward and they all take it out on him, he starts mashing the ball. Yeah. The yeah, same just... thing kind of happened last year. Yeah, he I mean he he's not he's not the most consistent when he's when he's playing well, he's kind of streaky, but you know, well as long as there's some good in with the bad, then I think we're okay. Who do you think right now leads the team in F4? Right now in F4, I mean... Top three, top are, three. Let's make this better. Top three. Who do you think? Are we talking about uh, regular starters? I mean, could I suppose that, you know, platoon guys wouldn't be near the top. Um, We're talking batters, I'll tell you that much. I I guess my, my, my first inclination would be Contreras mm-hmm. or Schwarber. Contreras is number one. Do you know who number two is? Schwarber. Nope. Baez. Nope. Hmm. Caratini. He's third. Hmm. I mean, he's been he's been playing well. Uh, Descalso. No. Yeah, Descalso hasn't played a ton. Uh, Zobrist. No. Oh, come on. Hayward? Yes. Okay. There jeez. Again, this is a small sample size, you look but like it, an it, idiot. <laughs> what are you Napoleon Dynamite? Idiot. Idiot. Gosh. Yeah, Wilson Gutierrez like is a, a 0.5. Hayward need, is a 0.4. We need fancy buttons like the like other radio and podcast people have that do little sound bites and stuff. Oh, I know. We got to work on that because I am all about sound bites. Yeah. I could put yeah. so many fun things in this. That, that'll be our mission for, for the future. It's our project right now, folks. It's our project. But if you want a really fun, small sample size slash line, here's Victor Caratini. 545, 643, 909 slugging, a WRC <laughs> plus of 283. <laughs> That's sustainable. <laughs> Victor Caratini, easily on pace to have the greatest season in MLB history. His BABIP is also 714. Totally sustainable, right? You're, gonna, <laughs> you're, you're not going to be able to mention guys like Babe Ruth and Joe DiMaggio without also mentioning Victor Caratini, the legend himself. When he blows everyone's minds mm-hmm. and over a full season, he has a yeah. BABIP over 700. He, he will be on the baseball Mount Rushmore. Dang right. My man, Victor Caratini. So yeah, a little fun, small sample size there for you. But you saw what the offense could do in the home opener, and the home opener was great. There were two outs, nobody on. It looked like Jameson Tyone was just going to mow through this lineup. And then, Newman! Again, another soundbite. I agree wholeheartedly. And people our age 
especially in, on Cubs Twitter anyway, they seem to not like Seinfeld very much, which should be considered a sin. Oh, I love they, Seinfeld. They it's all one of my favorites. They all like Friends more, and I just don't find Friends to be the least bit funny at all. It's I like it's like it's okay. cheap. It's it's like cheap toilet humor, and people like Friends. People our age like Friends because it makes them somehow nostalgic for the 90s, even though they were like toddlers when the 90s were ending. I hate that. I, I think Seinfeld's that. a lot people, funnier. People in their early to mid-20s right now are like, oh, yeah, all about the 90s. 90s kid, baby. You're not – this is a hard-to-swallow pill. You're not a 90s kid, okay? Being born in 1995 doesn't make you a 90s kid. It made you a 90s infant toddler, all right? You had to have actually been growing up and learning things and experiencing life somewhat on your own in the 90s to be a 90s kid, okay? If you're still drinking out of a sippy cup or wearing diapers by the time the 90s is over, you're not a 90s kid. Stop trying to fool everybody, okay? Nobody cares what stupid snack you you got at the grocery store in 1999. It doesn't make you a 90s kid. End rant. Hey, you know what I love about the 90s? They had those juice sugary drinks. What were those called? Mondos? I don't know. They were like in tall plastic bottle looking bottles. They were like, and like it had like a, it almost looked like a guitar pick on the top. That was like the cap that you'd twist off. It was like a translucent plastic juice thing. But it's so 90s. I don't know if I remember that. I mean, I'd. I, I was born in 95. I don't remember a ton from my days in the 90s because I, I was a toddler. I was a little kid, baby. Uh, I don't really care to remember it anyway because I was living in Omaha at that time. I'm, I'm originally from Omaha, and then I moved to a small town of only about 4,000 people, and I much preferred it there. I loved life a lot more in the small town. Uh, I still do. I mean, I'm not... Yeah, I I prefer small town living, and so that's that's kind of where most of my good memories lie, anyways. You know, I wish I had the capability of playing music here right now because I'd play "Small Town" by John Mellencamp right now. Who's the Cougar? John mm-hmm. Mellencamp. Yeah. But yeah, uh, like we were saying, I don't know how we got on that tangent. I oh yeah, I because know. we were talking about Newman. And yeah, 90s. yeah, and yeah, Seinfeld. The one thing we can both uh, take away from this is that Seinfeld is great, and it actually yes. has uh, really intelligent humor and not just toilet humor jokes. Like Especially friends. like George Costanza. I think just yeah. the humor around George Costanza is just hilarious. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. And Kramer doesn't doesn't get Kramer and Newman. They're like the perfect pair of just mm-hmm. dopes that try these goofy things well, and, and it always backfires and, and it's and great. Seinfeld Newman is the the best rivalry ever. It is. Cuz Wayne Knight is awesome. He's a hilarious oh, actor. Without a doubt. But yeah, Newman makes the error in the home opener going back to baseball, shocking. He makes the error, the floodgates open. He keeps making more errors, and what's been great about this offense is once one person gets it going, they pounce, and they score, and they score, and they score, and it's nice because everyone's contributing. There's not like one guy right now who looks like an absolute dog. Yeah, Bryant is struggling a little bit right now, but you go up and down the lineup, and people are doing things, whether they're drawing walks 
or getting hits or just having good at bats. I just I love that this team is having so many great at bats. Ben Zobrist, as usual, it seems like every at bat he has, he's in a full count. Every one. Yeah, he's a he's a smart hitter. And for some reason, I don't know why, coming off a career year, maybe we expected him to regress a little bit but for some reason it kind of it felt like fans were bracing themselves for a really bad season from Zobrist like they were just expecting the worst mm-hmm. and that always kind of maybe I maybe I'm the only one who got that impression but it kind of it confused me because you know even if he even if he's not the same hitter that he, he once was if he's not as consistent he's still a smart hitter and I don't know, I feel like some people are kind of surprised that he's still a very capable batter. But I, I just think it's the age. I mean, he's almost 40 years old people and he's are got a lot of miles on him. People are ageist, I'm telling you. Especially young people our age, they're really ageist. Okay. It's a thing. It's a thing. I'm, I, I swear to you, we're, us young people, in general, we're ageist. Yeah, but I mean, we, we have we have such we have such an out with the old in with the new mentality, and we even apply that to people sometimes. I feel like well, you, sports you know, this day and age, which, it's it's run by a lot of young people. It's the, it's younger and more athletic. I think in some cases, though, it's it you still have to go with the if it ain't broke, don't fix it mentality. And and Zobrist is still awesome. And hey, I welcome it because I love Ben Zobrist and. He doesn't look like he's missed a step at all so far this year. Again, small sample size, but yeah. He's very good at what he does. Good. Good. I think that if you look at just the best hitter on the Cubs in terms of approach, it's him. Like him and Rizzo, because those guys, it always feels like they're in deep counts in every Mm at-bat. And even guys like Bryant, how many times do we see him go 0-2 to 3-2? You're seeing it with Schwarber, too. You're seeing him have a lot of good at-bats. This is what we loved watching in 2015 and 2016. Long, grindy at-bats. Keep giving me those, because that's what makes this team effective. Not just getting hits, not just getting walks, not just hitting the ball hard, but those long, grindy at-bats. They make a difference. That is part of being a good offense. Yeah, and and this is this is pretty much what we expected from the Cubs' offense, uh, and so it's nice that at least that aspect of the team hasn't let us down so far. Uh, now we need the the bullpen to just continue to not suck. We also need the rotation to do good as well. I mean, let's mm-hmm. be real. I was very encouraged most, by Cole Hamels the other day. That's the most worrisome part of this team to me is the rotation because I think the bullpen is something you can you can kind of sort of tweak and fix on the fly the rotation is pretty much it it is what it is and if Mm -hmm. they're and if they don't have it together then that's a that's a big problem so that that's the one area that really concerns me the most well I mean I think it's a fair concern considering okay you're gonna call me an ageist again but Look yeah. at the age of a number of these pitchers. Well, uh, John well, Lester, I mean, that's Cole Hamels. I mean, there, there, there's ageism, and then there's there's also you get to a point where you do have to accept reality. I mean, the, I'm I'm not under the impression that these guys are all going to pitch till they're 40. I mean, we we've said it plenty of times before that the Cubs, you know, these these guys are getting older, and 
at a certain point in the near future, filling in that rotation is going to be the most pressing pressing issue they have. I mean, Kyle Hendricks is the only one in there under thirty. Mm-hmm. And even and he's, he's barely under thirty. Yeah. I wanted to talk about Kyle Hendricks and then go back to Cole Hamels, but look, Kyle Hendricks does what he's done the past two starts literally every season, and people start to worry. Don't worry. He's going to figure it out. Slow burner. And you know what? He actually, he hit 88 on the gun a few times too, which is not bad for him. And that's the thing. Usually at this time of year, not only do we see struggles, we see the velocity down. We're not seeing the velocity down. We're just seeing the location and movement yeah, out there. I, so I would, part of the battle's already won. Yeah, I would be much more worried if, if his fastball was coming in at like 85, 86 every time. But he's hitting 88, so that that improves his changeup a lot and his, his curveball too, which I'd, I'd like to see him use his curveball a little bit more. I agree. But. And I think he's going to. I think they were talking about that earlier this season, about utilizing that a little more. But again, I'm not. I'm not worried about him. No, I'm not either. Year. He. He. Yeah. He. He starts a little bit slow every year, so I'm not. I'm not terribly worried about that either. And that start in Milwaukee was very odd, because early on he was getting hit hard, but mm-hmm. then some of the runs that scored on hits, they were all ground balls that were finding holes, and on top of that. He got out of some big jams. Like, he gave up four runs. He could have easily given up, like, seven or eight. So just take it one step at a time with him and keep cool like he does. Yeah. Because, let's face it, he does not lose his cool. No, he doesn't. He's he's a, an emotionless robot all the time, even off the field. It's kind of, it's kind of weird. I'm not worried about Hendricks. I'm really not worried about Hamels either. I think Hamels, you know, he's going to have some struggles along the way. It just comes with the territory. But I think generally he'll grind out good outings most of the time. Uh, I, I would put Lester in there too, but I guess I'm not tentatively, depending on how severe his injury is. The injury think, does change that opinion, yes. Yeah, if he if he comes back soon and he's fully healthy, then I'd pretty much lump Lester in the same category as Hamels. Going to have a few rough outings here or there, but generally he's going to be just fine. Uh, now, Quintana Darvish is a different story. Those guy, those two guys, I it, it's it's anyone's guess what they're going to do from here on out, and there's not a lot of scenarios that would shock me. I think both of them could end up being great from here on out. And I also think there, it could be a total train wreck. It's neither one would shock me. You know, I got to tell you, I'm going to be completely honest. The other night in Milwaukee, when Jose Quintana was pitching, I have, you look bad. I I defended the trade for a long time, but I kind of lost my cool with it. I, I still do just from the perspective of, of it being the right move at the time. You know, we, even if it ends up being awful, it, that's still just hindsight 2020. I think it, at the time that was the move that had to be made, but yeah, he, he looked truly awful. I mean, his, he was not missing any bats at all. And it's too bad because, you know, that relief outing he had in Texas, I thought he looked pretty sharp. It was full, it was okay, yeah. And who knows, maybe that has kind of messed his rhythm up a little bit and he just needs a little time to kind of get set back into that. 
So, so you know, I'm not trying now, to give up on the guy, but yeah, given I was just that, frustrated. Given the circumstances and that it's so early in the season, I'm I'm still willing to give him and basically everyone else the benefit of the doubt for the time being. Yeah, it's you just with Jose Quintana, you gave up Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease. Mm-hmm. Now they still have to prove themselves, but they're probably going to be very good. And all I just want from probably. Quintana is to show that he can be that guy he was on the White Sox. And he did with the Cubs in 2017. I thought his 2017 stint with the Cubs was very good. It was very, very good. He had like a 220, a three, sorry, not 225, a 325 FIP and like a career high in K per nine. The sample size wasn't over a full season, but you know what I mean? The peripherals were good. I think it was just the, the handful of disastrous starts kind of overshadowed that for fans and people, people tend to pay more attention to the bad than the good. And there definitely was a lot of good things going on for him with the Cubs in 2017. But so far, I mean, that's we've always known that that's gonna that's been the biggest problem with Quintana in his Cubs tenure is consistency. He he he'll show signs of being great every once in a while, but he just hasn't been able to sustain it. And if he can do that this year, that'll be a first for the Cubs anyway. Yeah, and you know, last year. You had the disastrous starts, and then outside those, he did a pretty good job. I mean, that, that, that's what makes him so frustrating is he, he could have – his next start could be phenomenal, uh, but that, it, that just – it won't be that encouraging to people because they'll know that he could, he could give up nine runs in, in two innings his next outing because you just never know exactly what you're going to get from him. That and the numbers I mean, won't be fixed right away. I mean, Some people he, like to just look at the numbers. If he could just – if he could just string together, you know, three or four great starts in a row, then maybe we can we can start to, uh, you know, step off the gas a little bit with our criticism of him. Yeah, for sure. And again, I, I want to keep being a fan of the guy. Me too. I just I really was frustrated in Milwaukee. And, you know, I said on Twitter, I just said on Twitter, enjoy Eloy Jimenez Sox fans. Oh, and I mean, I we knew myself. Oh, we knew. I mean, even if, even if Quintana, even if this had, had gone better, we knew Eloy had potential to be a superstar, and that you know, who knows? It, it looks like he 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 probably will be, but I mean, we don't know that yet. He he could end up being just an incredibly average player for his whole career. I don't think that'll be the case, but there's you know still funny though, still time for that to happen. Not that I'm rooting for that. I'm definitely rooting for the guy. Me too. Me too. I don't want to sound like that either. I'm definitely rooting for him to be good. What's funny, though, is I don't know if I've said this on the show before. I've said this on other shows, but I'm sorry if I said it before, but I'll say it again. As good as I think Eloy Jimenez is going to be, he's probably going to be the more impactful player. I think we may end up really missing Dylan Cease more because we have not developed pitching. No, and that's that's been a problem with this Cubs organization for quite a while, actually, for the majority of Theo Epstein's time here. Which you know, I'm I'm not I'm not trying to to rag on on the the brass too much because they they've done a lot, they've they've turned a lot of things around that nobody thought was even possible. 
but one major flaw in all of this has been developing pitching within. You're right. They have not done a good job of that at all. Almost everyone they've got in their rotation and in the bullpen is somebody they brought in from the outside. They, they really don't have anybody that's homegrown. Nobody that stands out anyway. No, I mean, John Lester was a free agent. Cole Hamels was a trade. Some people Kyle, think Kyle Hendricks, even Kyle Hendricks came in a trade. Yeah, he came from the Rangers. Yeah. That, uh, I think it was a Ryan Dempster deal. I mean, and you could make you could maybe make the case that he was you know he wasn't a fully developed arm when they got him, but that wasn't somebody from the Cubs organization that they developed really. I mean, he right? He, they didn't sure draft him. They he right. didn't play in the Arizona Fall League with that. You know, he was. I'm sure he's. He, I'm sure. I'm in fact, I'm certain he has developed as a pitcher with the Cubs, but he yeah, he's not somebody who they drafted and raised in the farm system. But even if you do somewhat count. Kyle Hendricks. Who else? That's nobody really. That's that's about it. That's yeah. I mean, they fixed Arietta, sure. They fixed Pedro Strope, but again, they didn't draft those guys, and they had MLB service time. Yeah. So that's just you know that's that's a part of it. Is you wish that this team could have developed some more pitching, but you're just gonna have to go forward with what you have and try to get better at that. You have a couple of prospects in the minors Mm -hmm. that are pitchers. How good they'll be, we don't know. But you're going to have to see if you can get something out of one of them. And you're probably going to see some of those guys as time goes on. We saw Dwayne Underwood once. We want to see more Dylan Maples. You know, His sample size in the big leagues is very small. Edbert Alzale is one that people talk about a lot. He's had the injury issues. So, yeah, you just got to hope it gets better. Because that's one thing they really have not had yeah. much of. I want to go back to the home opener and talk about something that's not necessarily on the field. But the field itself, so to speak, the stadium. Wrigley Field has once again shown off many new features this opening day. One of them is under some controversy And it's one of those new clubs that is right under the press box. I think it's called like the Cantina Club or it's something with a C. But they basically took that old concession stand that was underneath the press box and made it a club. And it extends basically into the seats. So some people's seats had to be moved, like season ticket holders. And you can't go from the left field corner to the right field corner on that main like walkway path that Mm -hmm. splits that upper deck in half. You have to go on this catwalk that goes outside on the roof, right on the edge over the marquee, and then to the other side. It's very narrow. There's maybe room for two people. I loved all the changes to Wrigley Field so far. That I could see being a problem. I don't know if you have an opinion on that. I I've said in years past, I even had an article about it, and I, it's one of the, the most popular articles I've ever had, which when I say popular, I just mean among mine, not, not, not popular in general. But I've said tread lightly with the changes to Wrigley Field because it's one of the last really old baseball shrines left. 
and the more the more changes you make like this, the more the more the fancier you try to make it, try to make everything sleek, you lose some of that, I think. I think you lose some of that old school authenticity. And it it kind of seems like that just continues to happen every single year. They make more and more changes. And I, I've I've said this so many times. I want them to be careful because at a certain point there's everything's going to be so new about that place, there's not really going to be anything left that's actually special about Wrigley. And I, we're, obviously we're not there yet, but it kind of seems like it's heading in that direction, which makes me sad. Well, I don't think there's many changes left to be made, so if that is a concern, I you wouldn't think be that over now. The... Well, I mean, they have this plan in place. I only think there's like one stage left to go in the renovation next year and that's more upper deck work sound like dutch vanderland i have a plan son play red dead redemption it's been a while oh okay i'd like to play the the new one new one red dead redemption oh the new one i not played the new one it's phenomenal so i've heard the plot so i've the plot to it is like it's better than most movies i've seen really yes absolutely 100 percent Interesting. Mm -hmm. But going back to the changes at Wrigley Field, they did a lot of things this winter that I also think are very good. They put more like terrace patios on the roof like that you saw over the marquee for many years. I think that's good. That gives you more concession options. That gives you more places to stand around because let's face it, there really were no places before the renovations for people to go out and stand around. And that's something every stadium needs. You could agree with that, right? I, yeah, I suppose. I mean, my, my unpopular opinion is that I, I don't need a baseball game to be a comfortable, relaxing experience. I don't need, I don't, in fact, I would go as far as to say, I don't want baseball games to be a luxury experience, not at Wrigley field anyway. That's an interesting take. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the thing is, you have a lot of families there. Kids don't sit still. I I think you need something like that for families. Yeah, but you know what? Kids suck. Kids can kick rocks. <laughs> Man. You're going to get a lot, we, of, you know what? lot if, of fans if, on if, this show. If, you're a, if you go to a baseball game as a kid to Wrigley Field and your, your takeaway is that it wasn't nice enough, it wasn't comfortable enough, you didn't enjoy the experience, then that's, you know, we weeded them out. You're, you, baseball's not for you. If, if you can't enjoy the Wrigley experience as a child, then... I mean, I did. Go to a soccer game. Okay. <laughs> so you don't think they should have put those up there, or are you just saying they're not necessary? Definitely not necessary. I guess it doesn't really bother me that much. But my, I mean, all I'm saying here is if if you take your kid to Wrigley Field to a baseball game and they all they have to do is complain about about the seating or the concession stands, all that kind of stuff, then then the parents have failed you. I don't know if it's much complaining. It's just you know, kids don't have long attention spans and they want to move around. And if they're going around trying to go in those aisles and they're kicking people, I think it's better for everyone. If you if you have a kid that's like that, how about just don't bring him to a baseball game? 
don't punish the rest of society because you raised. Well, sometimes you don't know how these kids act in certain situations until they're there. You should. You should. But, you know, when you win parent of the year, be sure to call me. You know, I, I'm sure I had moments like that when I was a child, and it's the, then the parent's job to put the kibosh on that so you don't do it again. Okay, well, here's Am another right? question. Okay. I, oh, uh, I, I don't know. Um, I'm not I'm trying not really to say it. I was a great kid either. It was definitely not the case. I was, oh, yeah, I was, yeah, sure, I'm sure. I'm sure I was. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm, no, I'm serious. I, I was probably a, a little brat. In fact, I'm sure you I still was are. a lot of the time, but but I I I, I guess <laughs> I didn't punish people in public at baseball games, at least with my brattiness. You sure about that? Yeah. Hmm. Pretty sure. Maybe in like a Target or something, or at a mall. <laughs> well, uh. At least you can agree the bathrooms are a nice upgrade. Have you seen the pictures of the new bathrooms? Yeah. Looks fine. I think it looks amazing considering don't, where just, it is. Just don't care though. I mean you get in, do your business and get out. It's, oh, you don't There's a big like, difference between like a terrible you, bathroom and I, a, a good one. I I suppose, but it still doesn't really matter to me like even at Husker games, go to a lot of Cornhusker football games, the bathrooms are pretty gross in there too, but I don't care. Not like eating a hot dog off the trough or anything. I'm not touching anything. I just you get in, do your business, get out. I don't I don't care if it's high quality bathroom or not. Uh, I do. I don't want disgusting. But what, hey. what's so disgusting about it? If you're not like touching anything, I I I don't care the, the cleanliness. I just want it to be efficient. Can people get in, get out quick without making huge lines? Got to wait forty five minutes to use the bathroom. Okay, um, I think uh, cleanliness makes a big difference in the bathroom. But yeah, all right. Are you just saying this to give me a hard time about every renovation? Because you're Mr. We have to keep Wrigley exactly the same. And I say, hey, we need to bring this stadium into the future because it's the 21st freaking century. No, 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 no. That's that's terrible. Any other stadium, sure. But this is Wrigley Field you're talking about. You want to put – would you do that to the the Coliseum in Rome? They don't play sporting events there. That's a museum. What if they did? Yes, I don't want to be sitting on oh something that's going to collapse you under would, me. You would ruin history. You would ruin history. Do you realize that they would have to put tens of millions of dollars every year before these renovations just so Wrigley wouldn't fall down? Well, I think there's a difference between making the kind of renovations to, that there's, to protect the, the structure and, and actually making it look like a, a new sleek looking stadium i don't want it to i don't care about it looking brand new i don't want but it, it to. doesn't it's i don't it, want it to. they made it look like i'm not it saying used to. It, i'm not saying it does i'm saying that they're going that direction and that it, at they're some really point not. it will i think they're they are really they make they make they changes make the every single year look like how it they're, used to in the 20s and it's, the 30s it's small changes every year and eventually it's going to add up Okay, and you'll fine. look at and you'll look at pictures of Wrigley Field from 80 years ago compared to now, and you won't even be able to recognize the two. So but all they'll have more concession stands and nicer bathrooms. Yeah, that sounds great. 
Do you, do you really want to keep playing in a dump? Let's yeah. face it, that place just, was a I'm dump gonna, before I'm they fixed make it. Make the same comparison again. They might as well just put Lazy Boy recliners in the Sounds Coliseum great. in a five star hotel right Sounds in there. Great. Oh my God, the worst. Sounds great. I think that you need to protect history, the things in history that are worth protecting, which Wrigley Field should be a part of. All right, fine. Then let's just let it crumble to the ground then. Let's let it keep being No, updated. come on. That's let's apples and oranges. No. That's apples and oranges. No, it's really not. It is. It's really not. It is. Okay, I don't nobody complained to me when 60 years from now it looks like that monstrosity they've got in Miami or Toronto. That it's going to look nothing like that. I don't know. It is going to look nothing like that. Here's hoping. It's not. Hey, you you got to make changes. You can't keep everything the same. You got to you got to adapt to the times, Why? man. Why? Business Why? for business so, purposes. You, you think for that, safety purposes? You think for that people if, to actually have more events here? They could not have an all-star game here no, until they redid the visitors clubhouse. Screw the all-star game then. Forget about it. So you you think that that the Cubs as an organization would legitimately not be near as profitable as they could be if they don't adapt and make their stadium more like everyone else's. Yes. I disagree. Because the, if that's the case, then there's not really anything special about Wrigley Field. But it's still the same stadium. That's the thing. In name, sure. In name and location, but if the aesthetic changes too much, then it really isn't. You realize the concrete was literally crumbling. That's they had kind of, to replace that's, the that's lower the kind bowl. Of thing, that's the kind of thing you can change without changing the entire aesthetic. But they haven't. I know, and I'm saying, I'm saying it feels like they're going to, like they're getting closer to doing. So that. what do they? What do you think they're going to do now? Put a dome over it? They're not going to do that. I wouldn't. Wouldn't. Wouldn't put it past them. That wouldn't be possible. Oh, anything's it's possible. Not going to happen. I don't know. In in this day and age, it, it takes it takes one it takes one incident for everybody to 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 drastically change everything. See it see it in baseball in the rules too. One you have one instance where something happens, and oh my god, we need to change the entire game. So now what the heck is going to happen to make them put a dome over Wrigley Field? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe a a World Series game gets rained out or something. That's I don't happened know. Millions of times. <laughs> Not millions of times in Chicago. It's happened before. I don't know. I'm just I'm just saying it feels like they're heading in a direction that worries me. That's all. And I'm welcoming change. And and I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, but only change only to a degree. If you just make if you just make Wrigley Field feel exactly like Petco Park, then what's so special about it anymore? I mean, I don't think it's ever going to get to that. It it very well could, I think. Don't don't underestimate the the power of money. That if if they have money to spend, they will on things the like power that. Power of money, the power of money. Money corrupts. Money corrupts. So I mean, I'll agree. I don't think that club underneath the press box is good. I don't think they need that many clubs. I don't think that's necessarily necessary. But I mean, I think everything else 
is great there. I, I really think it is. I love the jumbotrons. I love the park outside. I love the, the hotel. I that's think it, enough. I think that's it enhances another. It. I, it enhances the experience. Yeah, I suppose if you want to feel like you're at a at a modern day park, but I don't want to feel like I'm at a modern day park at Wrigley. That's like well, that's part it's of the modern experience. Day, buddy. That's part of the experience, though. So, what? That, that's 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 again. That's that's part of what I'm saying is that I like the fact that they didn't have a jumbotron because that that's just yet another thing. But you uh, have about instant Wrigley replay that, now. That, that, you like have them, to see that, the play. No, you don't. Everybody's yeah. got to get on your phone and look at it. Then there's not a single person in that stadium in that ballpark that doesn't have their phone. Even the little kids. God, even oh, the six-year-olds. If everyone was got on their, their own phone, iPhone, you would be complaining how no one's paying attention that they're on their phone yeah maybe actually if you're actually at the game though you don't need to see the replay come on i mean i I, i'm serious i don't like the jumbo managers do i I don't like the jumbo points up at the video board i love the fact that they didn't have one and i think it takes i think it legitimately takes something away from wrigley that they added i think it enhances the experience i think i think it's more i think that just makes wrigley more like the rest of the modern ballparks and i see that as a bad thing I think it's great. I think it allows you to play old it, highlights. I think it allows I, you to show some stats. It allows cares? for more fan interaction. Who cares? A lot cares? of people you're do. You're there to watch an act, a baseball game live, a, ba- a live baseball game, not to turn around and look at a video board. Stay at home and watch it on your TV if you want to see replays and stuff. I, I think that adding the, the Jumbotron made Wrigley less special. All right. You're going to be that way. There was, there was a time, there was a time when a lot of people would have, it would have been unfathomable, the thought of adding a jumbotron. So it wouldn't surprise me if they did something as crazy, stupid as adding like a retractable roof. I don't know. How are you going to do that? Uh, By building it, hiring a construction company to, to build it. So you're going to put a dome over a grandstand that only covers half of the stadium. Yes. I'm sure they could find a way. <laughs> Engineer Adam over here is going to explain to us how they're going to do that. I, th- I think they uh, could do it. I think they could pull that off. Uh, that's funny. That is funny. So I got to ask you this. Have you brought us a former Cub that you would like to talk about? Yes. All right. Let's hear it. Kosuke Fukudome. Oh, all right. You remember Kosuke. his You remember his debut? I remember sure watching do. his debut. That was awesome. I was so hyped for that guy. Game tying home run. Didn't really work out all that well, but it, it was exciting the start of that relationship. Remember, he was an all-star in 2008, but by the mm-hmm. time the all-star game came around, the production was already going down, but People were so into the Fukudome in hype. He got the he got the votes. Yeah, he was he was good in 09 too. It, it, it wasn't bad in 2010 either. Really, just wasn't the uh, the star player people thought he was going to be. You look at the on base, and you on say, base was great. Wow, yeah, the guy drew walks like crazy. Yeah, he did. He had a cool. It it was. I don't know. In a way, it was kind of ugly, but it, it, I I like unconventional swings just because it's fun to watch. And he had one. Oh, that spin he used to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's the thing about Fukudome is that w- here's what fell short with him. We thought there was going to be more home run power. 
mm-hmm. and we thought he was going to drive in more runs. That's the thing. Yeah, that, that didn't materialize. He was he was a good ball player, but he, he wasn't who Cubs fans thought he was going to be. Right. We were we were looking at a guy we thought could hit 20 plus mm-hmm. and be more of a run producer. I mean, the biggest thing with him is that the power just was not there. Yeah, well, and I mean, he came into the league at 31 years old, too. Something right. that maybe not everyone realizes is he, he was 31 years old in his Cubs debut. So, I mean, he, he he wasn't young by any means, for a baseball player anyway. No, he wasn't. And after his Which ultimately last... led to a, a, a short career, five-year career. Not everybody can be Ichiro. Well, that's what I was going to say, is that the career fizzled out pretty fast. Mm-hmm. He was the big deal coming in. And his last year was 2012 when he played 24 game games with the White Sox and hit 171. Yeah. And didn't do that well in Cleveland either. I'm trying to see what did. I don't even remember what we traded him for because it wasn't much. I think Gatorade. it was really kind of a salary dump. Washing was, machine. Abner Abreu and Carlton Smith. Do you know who those guys are? No, you probably don't. Neither do I. I know that they are guys. Yes. And it's true. I sort I guess I kind of know of them, but no, not like oh yeah, Abreu. Well, neither There's been a lot them. of great Abreus in baseball though, but he he wasn't one of them. Neither of them played in the majors. Yeah. So it was literally just a salary dump. You know what's interesting is that those last two years, 2010-2011, the end of the Jim Endry era, it was a lot of just getting rid of those old former core players for scraps. They traded away Derek Lee for nothing to get rid of his salary. They traded away Kosuke Fukudome for nothing to dump him. Mm-hmm. Ryan Terrio and Ted Lilly, they traded them away to the Dodgers for nothing. And like Blake DeWitt, who was like a bench guy that played for, I don't know, half of the season with the Cubs. So those last few years were really just kind of getting rid of everyone except for Alfonso Soriano, who Theo eventually traded away into 2013. But that's because that contract was so big. Mm hmm. Yeah, there's there's good and bad memories mixed in there. Unfortunately, more bad than good. Oh, yeah. Going back to Fukudome, though, I actually do remember one game I went to in 2009. The final score was 17 to two Cubs, and he hit a mammoth three run shot. Like, I think it went almost onto Sheffield Avenue. And that was the only home run I remember seeing Fukudome hit in person, but it was a bomb. Yeah, that I I remember his debut like it was yesterday. That was it was a lot of fun to watch. I even just his batting stance was was kind of funky and cool. How he would hold the bat up really high, point it mm-hmm. straight up, almost kind of looked like Craig Council a little bit, but not quite as derpy as that. He didn't toggle it in like put the bat forward like council did, but yeah, they definitely both held their bats really high. Yeah. And he, he didn't, he didn't stick his right leg way out either. Like council did. 
No, no, he what didn't. Did, how did Council even get to that point with that stupid batting stance he had? I don't know. Like, that, what coach did he have that was like, yep, that's okay, that'll work? I, I don't know. There's a number of guys who had weird batting stances. You remember the Jeff Bagwell crouch? Do you mm-hmm. remember the Gary Sheffield? I don't even know how to describe it. Do you remember when Moises Alou batted and like his knees would like buckle inward? Uh, weird batting stances. And there's plenty more we could probably come up with if we look into it. But yeah, I just I remember when Fukudome first came into the league there were times when when he struck out, he literally spun around completely. Like he looked like mm-hmm. like a top being spun around in one place. Yeah, it's kind of funny, but yeah, that's a good one, Kosuke Fukudome. That's a good one. Hey, yeah, thanks. So I guess you're you're on the clock for next week's Wimmer Cub. Yeah, I'm gonna try to get creative with that one. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, uh, before we log off, um, I wanted to make one quick note about the upcoming Angels series. Everyone's talking about Mike Trout coming to Wrigley, and rightfully so. He's the best player in baseball. But there's an article I'm writing for Cubby's Crib right now, and it's talking about Albert Pujols. Because remember, he's still a thing, and he's on the Angels. It's just really weird now, still, after all these years since he was a Cardinal, to see him come in and not be the guy he once was because he was a cub killer. And at Mm -hmm. Wrigley field, it seemed like every series he hit at least one or two home runs. It's just, it's weird. now. Yeah. It's, I mean, he, he's, he's not a very good ball player anymore. I mean, he's, he's still going to hit upwards of 20 home runs, but He's just, it, it is kind of sad to see. He's, he's just not the same hitting machine he was in St. Louis. And uh, I, I was I was pretty happy that he didn't go back to the Cardinals at the time. So was I, yep. But uh, yeah, it's 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 been a pretty rough go of it the last few years with the Angels. Yeah, he's had those leg problems. He's getting older. You know, he's Tell DH4. Tell you what, there, there's not a there's not a ton of guys in the league right now that are absolute locks for the Hall of Fame, but he's one of them. Oh yeah, I no question. He's yeah. gonna he has to be unanimous. Oh for sure, I would think so. Yeah, I mean if he's not, there's a real problem. Mm-hmm. I mean over 600 home runs, the guy still has a batting average over 300, and I know batting average isn't the big thing anymore, but you consider it's, how it many years be. he's played. It's I know it's know, not as important, but it, it, people also tend to just toss it aside like it's irrelevant now, which I think is also stupid. Well, I, I think it kind of depends on the ball player. Well, like, like hitting looking, hitting isn't a big deal. Any, hitting in baseball isn't an important stat anymore. Are you kidding me? Well, I think slugging it on base is more important, but... Nobody gives a crap about that compared to your batting average. I, uh, that's the, that's the way I, I mean... On base percentage, sure, I'll grant you that's that that has more importance than it used to, and rightfully so. But for people to just like toss batting average aside, like it doesn't mean anything. That's that's. Well, I don't think they they I can't toss say it the aside. Word the air, how I feel I about they, that? I don't. I don't think they toss it aside. I just think they evaluate the type of player. And if you're an on base guy, like a slappy hitter, yeah, you're going to look at average more. But if you're a guy that's more of a slugger and a guy who walks like, you know, a Kyle Schwarber type, 
they won't hold average as important as other players. I think that's where that comes from. Sure. But with Albert Pujols, he could do everything. So it is relevant, the average and the on-base. Oh, yeah. He, is, he, is, he was everything. Average on-base, slugging, homers, all that stuff. He was complete package, yeah. Exactly. So he's coming back to Wrigley Field. This guy in his career at Wrigley Field, slashing 296, 397, 607, 73 runs driven in, 98 hits, 17 doubles, 64 runs scored, and 28 home runs. Two of his four three homer games in his career came at Wrigley Field, one in 04, one in 2010. Those were both with the St. Louis Cardinals. Mm-hmm. So we just, it's probably going to be his last go around at Wrigley Field. Probably. And so it's, I, I think that's important to note. It's kind of, it's, it's crazy that he's still playing, watching him, that he's still almost 40 years old and he's still here doing this thing. And you know what's kind of sad is I felt like when he hit his 600th home run, it just, it wasn't, people were just kind of eh about yeah, it. Yeah, because, well, I mean, because it was obvious by that point that he was on a downward trajectory in his career. It's just still sad, you know? Yeah. Where Where's he at on the list, the all-time list for home runs? Oh, he's got to be, he's got to be way up there. He's top 10, isn't he? I mean, 600 plus is a pretty exclusive club. He's got to be. We, I'm going to use this this old thing called the internet and find out here. Because you know he's right there with Ken Griffey Jr. at 600 plus. Uh-huh. Obviously Babe Ruth. Obviously Hank Aaron. Obviously Barry Bonds. He is sixth. There you Austin go. Wills is sixth. He's behind Willie Mays, who has 660. So it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that he could pass Willie Mays. In his yeah. career. Next is Alex Rodriguez, who has 696. I don't think he'll get there, but Alex Rodriguez's total is tainted anyway. I don't really count it. So, Yeah, I think he could definitely pass Mays. I think he may end his career number five. So, yeah, I mean, he's one of the best of our generation. And, you know, it's... We're going to say he's... We're going to say he's fourth, because I'm just going to... People can torch me for it. I'm just going to cross Bonds and Rodriguez off the list like they aren't there. Oh, that's a whole other topic. Yeah, for we don't have day. to get into it, but that's that's how I feel. Yeah, I know a lot of people would agree with you, but we could get into that another day. Uh, we're pretty much out of time here. Uh, time flies. So uh, we had a lot of great arguments tonight, didn't we? We did. Some good we rants did. and good fights. I like this, though. This dude. makes the yeah. show more interesting. Yeah, it's, it's better. It's better radio, podcast, whatever the hell you want to call it. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, thanks for disagreeing with me. No problem. Anytime. All right. Well, this is going to do it here on Climbing the Ivy. Be sure to talk, uh, take a look at Cubby's Crib. You could go cubbyscrib.com. You could also check out this podcast and other fan-sided podcasts on iTunes. So take a look there. Until next week, he's Adam, I'm Alex, have a great night.